Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. I'm Anne. And for today's episode, we are covering Black Sad from Juan Diaz Canales, Juan Joe Guarnado, with special returning guest, Matt Draper. How you doing, Matt? My little women. It's nice to see you. <laughs> Just Bob Odenkirk comes in. My little women. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you here to talk about Black Sad. So mm-hmm. for the listeners at home, I am a big fan of Black Sad, and that is in large part to Matt's YouTube video, however many years ago, covering this book, getting me to read it. So I knew I had to invite him back on one last chat about comic books and his whole career to come here. Get all the thoughts out now. Last night, one night only, last thoughts, comic books, Matt Draper. You're here for it all. (laughs) So It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's been a few years since you did that video, Matt, but mm-hmm. have you revisited Black Sad since then, or is this your first time back? I've read a little bit since then. Um, well, when I made the video, uh, the last one published was uh, Amarillo, and mm-hmm. um, they had the video game since then, which I ha- still haven't played. Um, and they, yes, yeah, so there, there was a Black Sad um, detective game that came out a few years ago. And then uh, I've read, well, I've read part one of They All Fall Down. So recently okay. they came back, they started doing the comic again. I think their big gap was because they were involved in that game. Yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure that's a, a big reason why, because there's a really large gap between that one and They All mm-hmm. Fall Down. And I've read volume one of They All Fall Down. I haven't. I know the two volumes are out. The second one's out only digitally, at least in the US, but I have only ever read Black Sad and Physical. Uh, and I'm sticking to it because I think that this is something that really, really needs to be read physically. I mean, you're going to get a great experience in any case, but I'm so like ingrained in like the, the physicality of the pages and everything that I haven't read ahead yet, but I hadn't read much, but then I reread it all for, um, for, for this in prep. And, uh, wow, I just really hated it this time. It was really rough. (laughs) Perfect. That's what we wanted was for you to come back to it and be like, gosh, I was an idiot all those years ago. Deleting that video right now. <laughs> it's actually already been taken down. Yeah. As, as if you're listening to this already in the future. <laughs> so Alexis and Anne, what did you initial thoughts think of Black Sad? Well, uh, Matt's comments hurt my feelings about the digital because uh, it is not available anywhere. Best. Yeah. No matter how mm-hmm. much I searched, can't find it anywhere. <laughs> So I yeah. read it digitally. I think Anne did yeah, it. Well. Super, There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging. Uh-huh. Matt comes in here with his elitist takes. By the way, <laughs> the only way to enjoy this is um, physical. Any other way, I just you know you might have the same experience. I don't know, but you know, it's the difference jealous. between dr- between real. drinking a fine wine and watching someone take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well I, mine's bad. I, too, I don't. So. I don't <laughs> Wow. Okay. I don't know how to feel about that because I kind of liked watching this person take a shit, but you oh. know, fine. I can hate the book if you want me to. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of a skyline chili. I know that's something that I Oi, oi. That's when you poop on someone from really high up, right? <laughs> 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 uh, 
as long as it's onto a plate of spaghetti. Oh no, <laughs> oh, no. we're only four away. minutes in, folks. <laughs> Keep it together. <laughs> These, oh, no. these attacks have left me scarred and deformed. <laughs> you belong right in Ohio. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll never uh, leave the state. I can never, ever recover. <laughs> anyway, you were actually, Lexi and Anne were actually saying yes, yes. of the book. <laughs> As I was saying, um, this was super, super fun. I... Um, was a little suspicious because weeks ago, Dallas was like, this is going to be right up your alley. This is going to be right up your alley. And I was like, okay, whatever you say, buddy boy. Um, but no, he was right. I notoriously really like detective, um, crime solvey stories. So this absolutely was right up my alley. It was so fun. I loved how each volume kind of circulated around one case, you could say, and then like going through all the bits of moving pieces for each one. It was super fun. Kept me really um, in the zone, I guess, like really um, lasered into the story. It was super, super fun. I would definitely give this to honestly anybody. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Anne, your turn to share with the class. Okay. So this book had two things working against it right away. Um, The first... Was that Dallas said he liked it? That was mm. automatic <laughs> red flag for me. Kiss um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the second was that it's a noir, and mm-hmm. I always go into. There are certain genres that I go into, and I have that certain level. I have that. I have those predetermined expectations. Where it's like, I know this is not a great genre for women. I know this is not. Um, <laughs> this is not going to be a pretty book to read, or at least. That's what I was thinking going into it. I'm like, I got to get ready. I got to switch my mind back to boy mode. I got to get ready for some boy comics. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna get zen. I'm going to treat myself to some Gail Simone something on the side. I'm going to balance it out. It'll be fine. I'll take extra estrogen today or something. I don't know. But I was, I was very, very happy that I liked this book as much as I did. That's it great. Was, it was truly a joy. I think it was, it was, um, the artwork that won me over more than anything else, because just the just the work that they do with the with the character of John Blackshad himself, and just how mm-hmm. emotive and expressive he is, he's so so alive and so fantastic. He's yeah. an absolute joy to read. Where it's like I feel like I couldn't hate him if I tried. Whenever I read <laughs> comics, I always latch onto the characters first and foremost, and he is an iconic character in every sense of the word. And I wanted this book to go on forever and ever and ever. <laughs> oh, I, I love hearing that. Um, yeah. Oh, I think you're both right on with it. I know that a couple months ago you did Parker on the show, mm-hmm. which is also a noir. Yes. And you did the first mm-hmm. volume of Parker, right? Just the first one. And yes. uh, you broke poor little Doug's heart because uh, you, you weren't really into it. And I think that, um, you know, they're both noirs. Parker is a lot more harder edged. And of course, it is adapting stuff that was written, I don't know how long ago, six, 50 years ago, maybe something like that, maybe 40. I forget exactly mm-hmm. when Richard Stark wrote it. But the um, sensibilities of Black Sat are a lot different than Parker. And especially um, as the series goes on, I think you can really see it change a lot. 
that first story, uh, uh, Somewhere Within the Shadows, is a very classic noir, right? With the the murdered ex-lover and the corruption going all the way to the top and this, you know, morally gray guy that fully compromises his morals for revenge. It's like super, um, super classic noir. And then after that, I think that the series goes and gets stranger and more unique and takes a lot of interesting Mm -hmm. turns with each subsequent volume and becomes really its own unique um, animal, no pun intended. Okay. Pun intended. (laughs) And, um, and I really think that that's what sets it apart. Cause I think that if this was only ever the first comic or if the comic only operated in the mode of the, the first issue, then I don't think it would become the sort of um, really standout series that it is. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I honestly think the first two volumes have a lot in common. And then it's by the third that for me, it mm-hmm. becomes something exceptional. I think the first is pretty, like you said, paint by numbers, noir, the artwork really making it special. The second they decide to tackle something a little bit more thematically sticky and outside of the genre but the writing style for me is still a little overwrought and i felt myself hitching a little bit on some of the narration Mm -hmm. and then by by the third it felt like the balance between story dialogue and art had all hit their perfect pace and it's just been hit after hit after hit since then for me and the the first volume in my opinion has way too much um Third person, third person omniscient narration with the uh, Black Sad's captions, like in that first yeah. one, it's like all over the pages, which is again very classic noir. But they really pull back on it, and they um, they use it when when it's important. And does Amario even have any? I don't. No, think it so. doesn't. It doesn't. It does, Amario doesn't even have any, or Amarillo. I mean, the, the, it's not. I like the pun in the name. That is Amarillo yellow but it's also amarillo texas there's no there's no captions in that one at all they've completely moved away from it what i think is interesting as well you can see them getting better as storytellers as you go like there are within Mm -hmm. those third person narration captions there are just overwritten portions like i there is a specific part where black sad is coming up to a door and the artwork shows us that all of the footsteps have been brushed away and Mm -hmm. then the caption says a detail made me suspect that something wasn't right someone had swept the snow surely in order to erase their footprints it's like that is too much too much writing you don't need to um to show and tell right and that's sometimes what i feel is for me personally a sticking point with with really old comic books is that it's really written super heavily to explain everything that's happening on the page especially when uh, Stanley is waging his own personal war against his artists <laughs> and is like <laughs> writing over their, all their work and like even sometimes changing the, the meaning of the art because he's like, now listen here, true believers. I'm the real storyteller here. I founded Marvel. And then he's just writing over everything. And you're like, all right, let's take it, take it easy. Stan. Like I can see that they're in space. Like let's tone, tone it back a bit. Yeah. It's just uh a trust that the author has in the reader to get it that mm-hmm. I feel like comes with experience. Those first two issues really wanted to make sure that we did not miss a single beat. Racism. And I think bad. Incest. 
good well, question mark according uh, to Anne. It took my joke. Anne. Anne. Okay, at Explain. least I got credit for it. Can you <laughs> weigh in on this, please? Um, no, I, th- I think we'll we'll get there. It's it's a lot that happens in issue two. Um, we'll be we'll be good. Um, well, maybe we sh- let's let, if we can wind it back a bit. We kind of jumped all over the place, and then I know we want to talk about issue by issue, maybe, and give our thoughts. Um, I you know we could have. I'll give a little backstory on, on Black Sad here. So as an introduction, so like you said, written by Juan Diaz Canales and illustrated by Juanjal Guarnido, and they're both from Spain. And Guarnido was an animator for Disney for a long time and was also trained in Disney's um, European studio. And he worked, um, his major contribution is on the, the Jaguar Sabor in Tarzan. So if you remember, have we all seen Tarzan? It rips? Yes. Uh, it we, do rip. we agree that Tarzan's awesome? Yeah, yes. including the, also, including including the Phil Collins songs. I was going to say the Phil Collins songs are but, the hardest soundtrack of all time. Yeah, from a okay, Disney yeah, movie. yeah, albums that go hard. That's number one. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like number one is is Phil Collins Tarzan soundtrack. Number two is like Straight Outta Compton by N.W.A. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe the catalog of D.M.X. And then you know, okay. Well, anyway. Um, so he you're, illustrates, you're right. he was the lead animator on Sabor. And if you watch the scenes with the Jaguar in them, you totally see um, his style, which is really awesome. He's doing Disney house style to a certain degree. And you can still see that's evident in the illustrations here for Black Sad. But when you watch Tarzan, you see those scenes, you're like, oh, yeah, the facial expressions on the Jaguar and everything is totally Juanido. And he also did... Oh, he was lead animator for Hades in Hercules and Helga in Atlantis, who's a, a supporting character. So he became friends with Canales and they were, the Black Side was published by Societe d'Argaud, which is a French publication. And then it's published in the U.S. by Dark Horse. They um, uh, Societe d'Argaud also published the French edi- editions of, of Tintin or Tantan and uh, Asterix, which is the major, a major French comic. And so, you know, Dark Horse is responsible for the U.S. publication and the English translations. So they're writing in Spanish, and it's translated into French by that publication and then to English by this publication. And so it's really in, an interesting blend of cultures, I would say. And... Um, so they've done these volumes. They're working on this next volume. They did the, um, uh, they did the video game, like I said, and then I think that Juanito also published at least one other series, like one volume of something else. I haven't read it. Um, but what's interesting to me is that in Spain and in France and even in the UK to some degree, comics are taken and, and Belgium too. And comics are taken so much more as equal art to any other artistic medium um, in their culture. It's the same as any music or literature or, um, you know, film, anything like comics is a very, very legitimate art form there. So I think that you get to see them work in the process of making this art that they aren't under the gun of doing their monthly comic. 
they're not pumping it out all the time like U.S. comics is because U.S. comics is like periodicals. They were based in periodicals and, you know, they're just going all the time, you know, dead deadlines all the time. Forget your health. Keep going. And then, you know, Black Side is published at this much more leisurely rate. But in you, at least in the, the volumes that I have, sometimes they show their art, art process. And um, Lornido does like multiple studies for every panel of light, color, line, everything over and over. And you can just see that work shine through because they're probably paid fairly and they're not overworked and they have that that leisurely amount of time. Like it will come out when it comes out. That's the how the art will work. And I, yeah, I think that's really interesting to me. Um, also, one of the things that it made me think about, well, I have two other thoughts before we move on and I've hijacked your podcast, I'm sorry. And uh, is that I think that to some degree, the art of Black Sad is working in two traditions, which is one is the art, which is Disney art, especially the Disney art of the um, of the Renaissance, the Disney Renaissance, which is the late 80s to the early 2000s, where you start with Little Mermaid and you end with, I guess... Is it Lilo and Stitch? I can't forget exactly the end. Um, so you get Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, and you get the lush characterization. It's still using hand-drawn animation that is uh, somewhat digitally uh, processed with the cap system, but it is the uh, it is the reinvention of Disney after the Dark Ages through the mid-'80s. So you see that a lot. I think you see that a lot in how Juanito's characters come out. Right. These are all um, anthropomorphic animals. They're taking on human characteristics uh, and you can see that in really the detail. And then I think that the second art tradition that it's working in and what I I mentioned briefly was the art of Hergé in Tintin and Hergé and Tintin pioneered the art of Lean Claire. And in Lean Claire, every single detail on a panel is in perfect focus. They are all done. No, no scratchy lines. No cross-hatching. Everything is perfectly illustrated and drawn. And there are no errors. And everything in the distant background is given as much artistic focus as anything in the foreground and the characters there. And I think that it shifts a little bit as the art goes on. Like certain panels in, I'd say, uh, Silent Hell are a little bit different as the art starts to shift. But I think that the balance of the Disney Renaissance characterization meeting the clarity of line of Hergé's Lean Claire is what makes Black Sad into a really special, like powerhouse artistic force. And then Diaz Canales taking on the tradition of noir and bringing it into a modern day and also having an outsider's perspective on US issues at a really fraught time of the 50s is really interesting. And to me, it's always interesting when someone from another culture decides to place their story squarely in like U.S. culture and adapts the issues and really pushes into them. And you see a different perspective on it. And I think that's what makes Black Black Set special to me. Okay, I'm done. I would agree. Thank you so much. I didn't, I loved seeing the parallel with Tintin. I'll have to go pull those comics out and compare side by side. I hadn't even thought to look at those. That's why we call you on here, man. Thank you. I got to get my comic knowledge out somewhere. <laughs> it's not going to be through videos, so quit asking. Not, not through videos, not through Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just here. It's just on podcast appearances. 
it just comes out sideways. Your partner's like, please stop telling me about these. You're like, I got to. <laughs> There's got to be an outlet. Just pulling people aside on the street. Can I talk to you about Black Sad? Do you know Lean Claire? Like, person's like, I love Black Sad. <laughs> well, I never, never mind. <laughs> I'm actually not interested anymore. So, Alexis, you, I know, as your brother, you're a huge fan of the Disney Renaissance. We watched those movies like they were going out of style. How did you enjoy the artwork from Black Sad? It definitely has those, like, Disney touches to it, which is very funny as, like, the cute, like, I don't know why the, the, um, Police chief German Shepherd guy in the very the very first one made me laugh so hard when he was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> but I was like, "This is wrong." I was like, "We don't smoke cigarettes in my good Christian Disney household." <laughs> <laughs> but it just it kind of creates this really fun, clashy eye cut, eye catching world in a way. Like it has this cute design, but it has that like grungy underground like noir theme to it which is so fun and i don't know i just feel like it was the perfect way to make a noir story in my opinion this is one of my favorite ones that we've ever read so I that's awesome like it yay <laughs> so Anne, we did it. my question my question for you is why did black sad work better for you than something like parker if you have reservations about noir how did Black Sad get past those? I think it's bouncing off what Lexi said, that juxtaposition of the art style with the story, because the art style not only, <clears throat> I feel like it does a really, really good job at enhancing character play, which I think is one of the big strengths of noir. You get these really, really um, complex and intricate characters. <sighs> Hold on. Sorry. Let me reset. <clears throat> you get these characters that when you, meet them for the first time, you get the stereotypes. You get the the begrezzled detective. You got the um the corrupt cop. You got the the Weasley reporter. And making them animal caricatures is a really cool way to tell those stories because animals have stereotypes attached to them. And you see an anthropomorphic character, like you see a fox and you already have an idea like just from your experience, um watching, you know, Disney movies or reading these um, other kids stories where these animals have their own personalities You're like oh this guy is going to be sly a little bit um, of a trickster a little more cunning you see like a German shepherd police chief and you're like okay he's going to be very stern very according to the rules but also kind of lovable you kind of want to give him a pat on the head and it just it's it plays into those tropes very very well and gives it a levity that I think a book like Parker does not and it makes some of the um, dirtier and grimier aspects of the genre easy to easier to get around. Whereas like Parker, you get to see a lot of that hyper-realized violence and it can be very, very off-putting, very hard to get through. Whereas you still get that same violence in Black Sad, but I feel like it's, it's softened because this world is so unique and so extraordinary. You want to keep, you want to keep reading. It keeps... Um, it keeps just pulling you in. It doesn't let it, doesn't stop. It's not like a world I want to avoid. It's a world I want to keep investing in and keep going deeper into. Because 
It's bright, it's colorful, it's creative. I keep turning the page wondering what crazy character we're going to get to meet next. Um, it's, I don't know, it just felt like more digestible to me. Because I a lot of times when I go to works like this, especially just the way things are now, there is that aspect of escapism I want to hit. There is the, I like seeing stories that really think outside the box. And this did so in so many different creative ways there's nothing else like black sad that i think i've ever read i think yes um something i really like that nk jemison talked about with why she likes to write fantasy and science fiction. She says that when you take real world issues and they put and you put them at the removal of science fiction and fantasy, they make them more palatable for the entire audience. Sometimes seeing how hard and corrupt the world can be within your own world makes it heavy. <laughs> it makes it something you don't want to engage with. Like, I, I just do not have it in me to remember how awful the world can be around me. But if you take those same issues and you apply them to a fantastical world, and I think that's something that Black Sad is doing with the anthropomorphic animals, you're then able to observe them at a safe distance, walk away with many of the same lessons, walk away having learned something, but you're still allowed to have fun and engage with the story in a way that you aren't always able to in mm-hmm. the real world. <clears throat> There's a lot of... Um... Well, the, another thing that I think this, one of the strengths of the story as it continues on is that it reflects more and more of the realities of the time and that it has um, uh, stand-ins for actual people that come in, especially in like Red Soul and Onward. You know, you get these ideas of like institutional corruption, racism, white supremacy, child abuse, um, the Red Scare, McCarthyism, Operation Paperclip, um, the prison industrial complex, uh, any sort of exploitation, you know, poverty is, is woven through it all. And it, it's all in there. And then you get like, like um, stand-ins for Joseph McCarthy or Allen Ginsberg or uh, various Nazis that came over, you know, post-World uh, War II. And it's all in there, and it's 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 a really nice balance, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. The first issue for me is so essential to meet Black Sad, understand him, understand the world, but ultimately it becomes the one that I have the least amount to say as I go through it further and further. But I do want to mm-hmm. make sure we touch a little bit on on that first volume, I guess what were some of the standouts from either the mystery or the characterization that comes specifically from that volume for us? I feel like for me right out the get go, it's like kind get go. <laughs> that sounded funny. <laughs> Ironic. Um, anyway, um, first things first, like this is your classic noir story the very first volume is like oh his 
ex-lover is murdered by so-and-so and it goes all the way up to the top, top dog. And he, like, exa- exactly what Matt said. Like, he compromises his um, values due to revenge. Like, that's literally the whole story. And I feel like that was kind of intentional to grab you and be like, okay, now we're going to go this way. <laughs> like, this is what you came for. <laughs> now yeah. let's go where we want to go. And I feel like yeah. they did it perfectly. Way less of a hard sell. Everything else is yes. already kind of a hard sell, right? The anthropomorphic animals and the noir, um, and we're going to slam them together. Yes, but the story will be pretty, pretty straightforward. Yes. I thought it was really interesting to see the color palette of these books change as you went along. Oh, yeah. If you compare Amarillo next to the original Black Sad, the watercolors are drastically different. This first one is so gray, so brown, so blue. It's still rendered beautifully. It's still something that you want to look at and hold in your hands. But it's undeniable that this book, this first volume, is trying to sell you on just how grimy and dirty the world is, right? Like when Black Sad drags on those cigarettes you can, and narrating in his own head, you can feel the grime of the city. You can feel how hard everything is on him. And mm-hmm. I feel like that disappears in layers as you continue through this, the series. But I think it's it's interesting as well to see levity introduced for him. Like there are no... Oh yeah, moments for me of levity in this first volume. It's all pretty grim. Weekly, weekly is a key element of the series going forward. And mm-hmm. thoughts on somewhere within the shadows? Empty mind. Nope, thoughts. that's that's the <laughs> that was the one. Where I'm like, okay, we'll we'll see. They, they're cute. Animals are cute. But you're you started with one of my least favorite cliches of all time. Let's see what happens. We'll go. They're cute. We'll, but they're smoke. They're smoking. They're killing. They're, they're cute. Banging. But they're listen. Uh, honestly, they I'm bang. gonna go out there. The smoking makes them cuter because it's edgy, but in a cute way. Where you're like, oh, you little rascal. Oh, it's gonna give yeah. you one yeah, little third. Goofy, so silly. Uh, to I me, have so the- many questions about how this world works. But you continue. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Let- I guess we're not supposed to think about it too hard. Well, just, which I think is the drawback of Arctic Nation. Mm-hmm. It makes us think about it a little too hard. I don't know. I just I think like mostly most of the questions I have get answered in Zootopia, which I'm ninety nine percent sure happens yes. in the same universe. Oh, <laughs> which absolutely. I'm ninety nine percent sure would never have been made if it wasn't for Black Sad. Um, also true. Very true. Uh, the t- two standout moments for me in the first uh, volume are the the confrontation with the lizard in his apartment and especially this big splash page mm-hmm. here with I love Dutch that angling. One. Yeah, the God's eye view. And then the final confrontation with uh, Ivo Stadok and especially these three panels right here as you see him holding the gun on him and it all comes down to changes in um, expression here, mm-hmm. right? holding it, then that smug look, which Black said eventually says is the reason why he killed him, which you probably didn't, again, like Dallas was saying, you probably didn't actually need him to say that. And then that change of expression there. And then you don't even see him pull the trigger, you just see him dead, sprawled across the table with his his brains all out and shit. Um, oh, and then I like the the rhino and the 
the bear with the the neck brace and the <laughs> the thing on the, the nose. But to me, there's like moments of brilliance. I would say. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely I, for sure. I think one of those moments for brilliance for me was the iguana bar. I <laughs> in Stephen King's on writing, he talks about when you want oh, to go. give details for a place and when you just want to brush past it. And I felt like the detail of the iguana bar for me really made it feel lived in. It was these mm-hmm. little sections of this city that made it, Oh, this, this is something special. This is a real world that I want to return to someday. It felt like all great detective stories that all blacks had had to do was open a door and he would be in the midst of a new kind of mystery. And just the realization of the places he went for me is what sold that the best. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts before we move on to Arctic nation? Um, I think the first panel where I realized this was going to be something special was on maybe like the fourth or the fifth page of the story where he goes to get um information from that pug and he's like, the task was to do the job in a discreet and efficient way. And when I put my mind to it, I can be very discreet and indeed efficient. And there's just that one panel where he is completely feral. His gun jammed down the mouth of this very, very surprised pug. And I don't know why, but just the the contrast between that and everything I'd seen so far where I'm like, just the extent that we're going to take the, the cartooning in this book. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Okay, I'm I'm hooked enough, and we will we'll we'll push through this. We'll get through this, and pleasantly pleasantly surprised by the time the book ends. And you're talking just a little bit about how like just the color pal- palette of this book sh- shifts as they get better at creating, as they get better, as they get a better feel for what they want their world to be. My enjoyment of the book definitely went up. Mm-hmm. And I also think you can see the talent in each panel, what Matt was talking about with them being able to take their time, create the ideal angles, the ideal lighting for everything. Something as simple as page six, when it's recounting the relationship of Black Sad and his love interest. The the second panel down, it, it looks just like a Degas painting of the ballerinas. And I just don't feel like you get to have that complex of a panel in weekly American comics. Mm -hmm. You don't get to be like, all right, for this one panel that's talking about this side character's backstory, we're going to give you this whole giant ballerina scene where like Matt said, every character is rendered all the way through it. And it's just that level of care, the level of framing in black sad that makes it an artifact that you can return to again and again. Every page is a masterpiece. Or what about this? I was just looking at this right now. When he's inspecting the hotel room and the maid comes in, she's a little mouse and he's this big black cat. And he puts himself at his most, first he pushes out his belly to make himself look out of shape. And then he becomes his most like happy and like cartoonish to some degree with this all white background here. And she looks like a Cinderella mouse. And like he, because she is a mouse and he's a cat. He knows that he's going to scare her. So he completely changes his demeanor and it's never said in anything besides the mm-hmm. art. It's like those little touches where it's like, you can tell they are so, you know, in control already of what they're trying to do. I'm excited in the animated version of this when JK Simmons gets to voice this walrus 
that is upset. <laughs> he is. He's so good. He's All right. So good. Arctic Nation. Idris Elba for <sighs> okay. Black Sad, obviously. Okay. Oh, absolutely. This is gonna be this is gonna be great because you know we're all the most qualified people to speak on this story. So you know, um, I the after the first book, I'm like, I wonder if any of the women in this book series are gonna actually get to be characters. And I kind of got my wish, but the monkey Paul Paul curled. Um, <laughs> this was a trip and a freaking half. Someone else start this one because I need to. I need everyone else's opinion. On this this absolute roller coaster. That is the best way to put it out the gate. It is an absolute roller coaster, and could not have been less prepared for. And just when you think the roller coaster ride is over, it it starts again. It jerks you. <laughs> like I just want off. <laughs> in, like, one more corkscrew. Yeah. In in my opinion, this is where. The, our creative team shows that they're really trying to do something different and they're trying to engage with social issues, trying to go multiple levels deeper than what you would initially think that this could be. And if they could have easily not done a comic that was about racism in America in the fifties, segregation, discrimination, white supremacy, black power, um, being multiracial, it's all in there. And using fur color instead of skin color is, it's like, it's almost, it's almost so obvious that you don't think about it at first to some degree. Because in the first issue, you get the iguana bar and Blackside goes in, he's fine, he's cool with them. But then the, is he like a weasel or something? He goes in and, and he can't, he's kicked out immediately. So you get these ideas that, the differentiation in species actually matters in the story. The people are aware of that. It's not just random things kind of thrown in. Everyone's different, but it only can go so far. And I think that to some degree, the comic can only intersect with these issues so much in a, in 50 pages and telling this really big outlandish story to some degree. So I think it's interesting and obviously what we're seeing is a really extreme example of racism. We're seeing white supremacists basically stand-ins for the KKK in the 50s, where they mm -hmm. have, I mean, in the United States, in reality, in the 50s, the KKK had really come back to prominence. After basically being gone in the beginning of the 20th century, they were, um, they were brought back into prominence because of birth of a nation and you know, with our laws, then lynchings were happening all the time. You, you, we open with a lynching of a black buzzard. And then we see this all white group, you know, with their armbands and their big symbol, making this big proclamation in the middle of the street. And no one's going to stop them. And I think that's really interesting. And then also this idea of racial purity that you see within the characters themselves and black, <laughs> black sad being all black, except for his white muzzle I, I don't know if they ever thought about that initially. I'm sure that it was more of a design choice, I would say, when they were first making the character than any sort of racial commentary. But you've got that. And I, I do like when they confront him and he points at his chin. He's like, oh, this isn't enough. Um, and again, you just you have to love Black Sad to some degree. Um, 
I am multiracial. Uh, I am Latino and I'm white and I can pass. And it kind of just depends on how much I've grown out my hair, or grown out my facial hair, or even in my experience, uh, people that are Latino or, or biracial, they know that I am just by looking at me. People that aren't, a lot of times white people, they look at me and they don't even get it. And it is a very wild experience to pass in white spaces when people don't know that you're you're multiracial, multiethnic, and thing the the wild shit that you hear. <laughs> and so there's some of that that's in this comic for sure. And we are having Spanish creators commenting on racism in America. And so it is an interesting outsider's perspective on these issues in this the story. I don't think it always works. I think it's really interesting. I've seen a lot worse examples, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, okay. Has anyone seen three billboards outside Emming, Missouri? I have not. Mm-hmm. Which is made by an Irish. I think he's Irish. I forget um, who, uh, what, what country he's from. But the creator of that movie, he made um, In Bruges and recently um, blank, blanking on. Oh, the, the Irish. Or No. The, oh, yeah, he made the Irishman, of course. No, no, the yeah. <laughs> um, the um, Banshees of Insurance. Banshees, yeah. Three, three Billboards is like a major commentary on racism in America in like the Deep South. And to me, that movie was a huge swing and a miss, a massive swing and a miss. And I felt like he was not getting the issues and was. And so it's these issues of like an outsider's perspective on a nation's own issues can sometimes provide a really interesting perspective and can sometimes not get it and can sometimes not get the severity of certain issues. And to me, this is more of a success than a failure. I would agree. I would agree. What was funny juxtaposing the first time I read this versus the most recent time I read this, I, I think I was more just impressed that they were tackling an issue like this in a comic like this the first time mm-hmm. I read it. But then having read all of Black Sad and knowing what's to come, I felt the clunkiness of this one a little bit more this time through. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think you're like you brought up. There's no way you're going to solve racism in America in 50 pages. <laughs> And I think sometimes the convoluted nature of the mystery and the reveal and then the next reveal, it makes the complicated issue feel a little bit undercut by the narrative and the need to have it figured out by the end of the story. But I also think it's interesting with noir being a genre that's so interested in gray areas, in things that aren't going to be solved right away. Things that you're just going to have to look at and be like, oh man, I don't even know what to do with this. I think it's interesting for these creators then to decide in this volume and then moving forward that some of those, instead of it just being corruption at the top as like an amorphous crime stand in, they're going to talk about the actual corruption that's at the top in America. I think that's interesting and commendable to look at. 
Lexi, Anne, thoughts? Oh, she passed it to me. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I would have to agree with Dallas. Like, as I'm flipping through the pages of this one again, um, it does feel how do I want like obviously different, but um, I feel like this show is showing more of like how they're settling into their storytelling. It still has a little bit of that narration from the very first one. It's kind of getting its footing with how they want to go with things. Um, this actual the actual story itself, I thought was very interesting. I thought um, the characters, the twists, the surprises, him following the leads of finding this little girl, and then to get the twist at the very end of it being a planned scheme all along was very yeah. interesting to me, and mm-hmm. I loved I loved that. I was like, oh, okay, go off, queen. I support your wrongs. Um, yes. I support women's rights, but more importantly, I support wrongs. women's wrongs. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Gone girl his ass. Get him. <laughs> Get him. Um, Something that I have noticed, not only here, but a lot of the times with anthropomorphic animals, is it's always very clear what animal the boys are supposed to be. Yes. And then the girls are like, oh, it's vaguely animal. but it's definitely a lady and i still i'm pretty sure these sisters are dogs but like i should know better whether or not these sisters are dogs you think think they're they're bears bears? no i think they're uh, you know what i don't know exactly i would say they're dogs because they kind of look like power line you know from a goofy movie yeah yeah a little bit true you know that moment where you have shall we sing stand out hard (laughs) If or would you prefer eye to eye? Optimization that any cartoon is just complete. Juice. It's like, listen, what are women if not animals? I'm just <laughs> apparently. Oh, it's the it's the meme where it's like um, it shows you like all the different guys in like a fantasy realm where it's like you got the orcs, you got the giants, you got the the people, and then it's just women. It's just the same body shape but a different color each time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's this. Yeah, I could see that. Um, the color usage is a lot more varied and stronger here than in the first yes. volume. Yes. Uh, the the flashbacks being in sepia tone or the fire raging with this orange. And then, of course, the last few pages when the little girl's been rescued and we're at the school and the color just, man, it pops all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. When you go from that snowstorm in um in at the at the cemetery where black said so rudely opens up that woman's blouse and uh we we understand everything but then it's like it pops like crazy and then uh talking about them starting to not rely so much on the the captions the two big square panels of the girl and black said looking at each other right before he walks away and this like understanding and heartbreak and shock and like she nails weakly in the back of the head with the snowball and then they just kind of look at each other and he walks away versus several pages earlier when he finds her in the the plane and picks her up grabs her gives her hugs says easy kid we're going home when she doesn't know that her mom's dead yet and you see that it's like it's so it's heartbreaking like 
there's these elements in here where I think there's really great emotion that's coming through, like really true, genuine emotions happening in the characters. And um, Cotton's death has been shot. He's in there. And, you know, he's the bird that can never fly, who dies in the plane, wants to go to Vegas, scatter my ashes over Vegas. And it depends on the version. Do, do you have the, the big spread of Black Sad throwing the ashes over Vegas? I do not. No. No. It's in here. It's all in gray. But you can kind of see him scattering the ashes here over Vegas, which leads us to the next story. But um, yeah, where there's that too. That just that there's these every story has some amount of tragedy, even if there's some levity, like weekly saying that he uh, has his name because he only showers once a week. Hmm. What do you think? What do you all think of the character of weekly? Oh, weekly is literally my favorite character in this entire thing. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> love him love weekly yeah he's he's great i love him dallas and hate weekly gives, i like weekly a lot i, I think he, he invites levity into the book mm-hmm. he lets mm-hmm. black sad be a little bit less dour which is necessary yeah, like at the end when he makes him actually belly laugh like that's the first time that i feel like black sad even showed a relatively bit of like oh you're not that big bad detective man yeah i like him i like him a lot yeah um yeah i think he's and he shows up in every story you know afterward Mm -hmm. including the one that's being published right now and uh i was very not to spoil anything i was very scared for weekly in the first volume of they all fall down and um (laughs) yeah he's just they they really they get it they're like oh yeah this is this is the missing piece this is it's it's an interesting thing because there's part of me where it's like that twist was really really interesting and complex and I appreciated that aspect of it but then the other part of me where it's like holy shit I think <laughs> we lost the plot I just it's I'm I'm I've been spinning my gears on it for several days now trying to figure out one was it worth it that these are the only, this is like the only female character in this entire volume that I can actually remember something specific to their character. I know the next story, we're going to have a a character who's like, she's a writer and she flirts with black sad. And that's like where it starts and stops. And then I don't remember anyone else from the last three or two volumes. This is the memorable female character from these, from these books. And I'm trying to, and I'm like in my head, I'm like, at what cost? Was this was this a tale that actually said something? Because it's the relationship between her, her and her sister. I feel like there could be something there talking about like how, you know, of course, it's the the white passing sister that manages to get out of this mostly unscathed and completely mm-hmm. unaware of the damage that she's brought upon her family. And it's just it's going to the part where it's like, are you how? <sighs> I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this because, like I said, I've, I've just been spinning on this. I'm not sure what to think about it or where to even start. the The idea of using your passing privilege and using that that privilege to get vengeance instead of justice, mm-hmm. and the idea that when you, you you get to the end of it, nothing's changed because I I don't know. I feel like this story works better using the racism of the fifties as a setting rather than as a theme. 
if that makes sense. I think that's it's fair. like it it feels like it doesn't have anything different to say. It just pushes the plot forward. Yeah, I get that. I think it's interesting that you bring vengeance instead of justice up, mm-hmm. realizing that it's these first two volumes that that gets hit, right? That mm-hmm. ultimately Black said gets vengeance, not justice at the end of the first. And then at the end of this, it's also vengeance, not justice again. And that doesn't come up as much in the other three. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if there is a progression of the character of Black Sad, seeing the things that happen in Arctic Nation and then deciding to not perpetuate that moving forward, or if it's just a lightness that enters the book that no longer allows for that to exist in the same way as it did in the first two. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it really does feel like a tale of two series. Like these first two volumes are feel very of a piece. And then the next three feel very of a piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Do we want to shift into red soul? Yeah. This is where it really comes together for me. Oh yeah. I really like red soul. I think the artwork has really, really leveled up. The color work is phenomenal. The characterizations are so fun. You, It feels like every character is a little bit more fleshed out than they have been before, even if, obviously, there are very few main characters outside of Black Sad and Weekly, but mm-hmm. just the whole cast here, for me, is memorable and people that I want to spend time with. Yes, I agree. Um, there's a lot. It's a bigger cast, and uh, they have a lot of interesting roles that they play. Those roles shift a lot, and you're never quite sure. I don't know who's going to sort of. There's not. There's not the clear like um, bad guy, damsel in distress, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know, it, it's a lot more complicated than that, and the story isn't just dead body solve the mystery this is this is we're we're working in a lot more layers here i would say and again like i said before this is where we're really pushing into actual the realities of the times right uh with the red scare uh mm-hmm. operation paperclip being revealed here with the nazi scientist allen ginsburg having his own stand in here Manhattan project. It's all playing together to have this. It's a story about like, it's a story about like paranoia to some degree and guilt. So paranoia over things that aren't real and guilt over the things that actually are real and how they collide, like in the minds of these characters and the tragedies that kind of come from that. My take. It's a good take. Mm-hmm. Anne and Lexi, what do you think? Anne, it, I feel like this is where you started to like it. Am I right? Yes. What changed for you? I... It felt like it's... I want to say part of it, it just it had a different... There was a tonal shift. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it a bit already. It has a lot to do with the art. The art just feels so much more vibrant here, so much more alive. It let me enjoy those 
visual aspects of the universe. It let me feel more immersed in this than any of the others had before. I think having a large cast of really interesting and complicated characters really helped as well. It's It had an interesting mystery where it wasn't as literally as it was in the last chapter as black and white as you would expect. And I loved getting to see um, characters who knew Black Sad coming back into his life to interact with him. Because I think that really put him into a new place where he wasn't before. Because before, the the only character that he had like known before that came in to interact with him was the um, the police chief. And Smirnoff, yeah. Yeah. Getting to see glimpses of who Black Sad actually is. It just it builds and these three volume these three volumes at the end really build together on top of one another to keep painting like a cohesive story about who he is and what this universe is. Black Sad is a lot lighter of a character here. <clears throat> He's not a jokester necessarily, but things roll off his back a little bit easier. Uh, one of the touches that I really like is at the beginning, he's still in Vegas after going there for the ashes. And there's the N- Natalia Wilford impersonator contest, which is the his long lost love that was murdered at the start of the first issue. And it's there in the background. And he's just like covering his face and like turned away and like miserable. And he's still got those those like weights like inside himself, but he's trying to connect and he's trying to like make good on things and he's just a little bit more lighthearted. Him falling in love with Alma, you know, you get this idea of of him connecting with people and then he's got his friendship with weekly and you get that just a lot more. He's just kind of, he's not just the, well, I mean, fucking Parker, like he, he, Parker is just so like, I like to make scores and then I like the dames. And then that's like it. Like he has Mm -hmm. no, he's got nothing else going on. Whereas black said just has, he's got an interesting internal life and he has struggles within himself and he's growing and trying to be better. And again, he's a little bit less, he's a little less emotionally affected by the stories in these last three volumes. And although they are tragic in some ways, he's trying his best. Mm-hmm. I think for me, there's something really evocative about, everyone with their sunglasses watching the nuclear bomb test out in the desert outside of Las Vegas. That long Mm -hmm. panel is incredible, but as someone they they got the captain cold glasses on, they do have the captain cold glasses on as someone who grew up in, in Utah and knows about the downwind effect that was Mm -hmm. caused by this, right? The (laughs) let's all go blow up nuclear bombs in the desert. And I'll watch them. This is so fun. And now, 70 years later, I know so many people with cancer from Utah, Mm. right? I know Mm. so many people who have lost their lives to cancer. And I remember growing up just being like, man, how does everyone get cancer? And then learning about exactly why everyone I know gets cancer. That it's because in the 1950s, they were doing this. And so it just... This panel feels very evocative, very like, man, our, I think Black Sad explores an era in America that is at the root of so much of the harm that exists today, right? And this specific harm 
hit very close to home and helped serve as like a pinning down for everything they talk about through all of these. Like this one is very small, but it it's very personal to me. And I know that Black Side can have that effect for so many other people. Like I think this because this book is so honest about this time period, you would be hard pressed not to bump against something that feels yeah. relevant to you and your personal experience today. Um, talking about the art progression of the art. I love this panel with the car exploding. I love it when so a car good. explodes, just generally speaking, you should put one in every story. And um, that like pop of color again, the mastery there, or how about when um, Lieber, you know, he's disappeared from the car explosion. And he's like, I wonder where he is right now. And they're looking out over the city. And you see Lieber with his eyes just like wide open and he's wandering the streets and he sees kids being chased by cops and he sees the homeless and he sees the, his father's like old church and it says everybody deserves another chance. He goes in, it's just an empty shell and there's people, you know, homeless people living in there and he's just so like broken up by it all. Two pages that just serve to completely convince you of the and the, the total change in this person's entire perspective on the world. It's really, it's really great. It's really special. I mean, I, it's also incredibly interesting to have those two pages right before the two pages where we reveal who the owl is, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we see the pictures of him in Nazi Germany right after we have this big emotional empathic moment with him. And it keeps the the emotional tension because you're like, this is an evil man, right? After these two pages, you're like, but I just also felt bad for this man. And mm-hmm. it brings you a little bit into what Black Sat is feeling. Also, have- I gotta say, I gotta say Alma, top five cat babes. I got in top five. I put easily. Guy like me, guy like me, I put him I put her in top five. Lexi she's shaking and then she's nodding. And then she's shaking, but then she's kind of nodding. Listen, Black Sad knows how to pick them. Ooh, and she's muted. Hot take. Oh yeah, and and just, let's pop that. Let's pop that mute off there for a second. Okay, so I got to that panel. Um, it's the one where it's like she's just there, and I just stared at it for a second. I'm like, listen, I'm not a furry. I'm not not a furry. I'm a secret third thing, and it's what. These Disney characters, hey, like what? What is it's this? Also, where Spirit the Horse sits, nobody Spirit- knows. Stallion of the Cimarron, dude. There's a whole thing about it well, on TikTok, and I was like, I was five, and I don't need you to psychoanalyze my thoughts. Listen, Thank I know you, you don't. Need I understand. To, but I kind of want to. I understand how Disney's Robin Hood is a gateway, but yeah, maybe. I don't know about the Matt Damon horse. <laughs> well, you just said Matt. Okay, listen. <laughs> I got the real laugh out of Dallas over there. That was okay. Okay, the conversation's over. Now it makes sense why we had spirit on at our house four hundred times a day. It's all coming together. I was always like, "Is this movie?" I was like, "Is this movie actually this good?" And a little Alexa just sitting in front of the the TV, like, "Shut up." Okay, I'm being questioned about Spirit the Horse, but nobody's questioned AJ about cars. That entire movie is ingrained into my memory. I don't think he wanted... I think he wanted to be Lightning McQueen. I don't think he wanted 
to make out with a horse. That's <laughs> more of a you that's thing. That's not what wanted to happen. Nah. No. How how are you supposed to even make out with a dang horse? Exactly. Answer that, Alexis. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, I think, it wasn't the horse. It was his eyebrows. It was the Thank eyebrows you, and the fact that I wanted to brush his hair. Thank you. <laughs> I was five. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got one of our top five cat babes. I think we have one of the top five anthropomorphic animals ever with this Moses camel that's quoting from Matthew <laughs> with just yeah. his pants on and his oh, big yeah. staff. I love him. Also, Definitely one of my favorite guys. I do love the scraggly little artist bear. He's very funny. Even though he's terrible, Scraggly. but he's very funny. He is the a bison? terrible person, but he is funny. No, the guy that's painting. The, the painting, painting, right? Bear. You're talking about the guy that's painting. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, like yeah, super yeah. skinny and gangly. He looks like one of those shaved bears. Have you ever seen a picture of those? The, the, uh, I also love the Cayman assassin. With his yes. Cayman's, Cayman's, Cayman's rock. I mean, Cayman's rock. What? He's a Geral, not a Cayman. Oh, he's a Geral. Okay. Yeah, the, the long thin snout. Biologist. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Biologist okay. hour. Okay. Oh, yeah. You tell him, man. No, I know. I ate one of those in Metal Gear Solid 3. You. I got it. Okay. I, was, I thought you were going to say, like, on vacation somewhere. I'm like, hold on. I have it's had funny. alligator. It's pretty good. I have not. I would eat it. Okay. It's pretty good. One of my favorite I like moments. The cute, I like the cute little old owl that gets his throat slit. He's really cute. Aw. Yeah. I like that he gets introduced, like... Yeah, two yeah, pages. Oh, you're like, adorable. Who's our friend? Oh, no. Yeah. Throat slit. And then we don't even get to see like the reaction to his throat slit. He's just he's just like, so he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> cool. Because he wore the wrong hat. <laughs> Damn. One of my fa- yep. favorite moments of character in any of these volumes in just a single panel is just this fucking Dalmatian smiling and just Dude. the word asshole. <laughs> the Dalmatian <laughs> is so funny to me. He I has like a really it. interesting little arc. Of just I, yeah. cracking up as this goes along. Mm-hmm. It was fucking nuts, and it's wonderful just to see. Digging. Yeah, just digging. If anybody's just... ever seen a Dalmatian, that's all they do. Dig. I think the the decision in this volume to really lean into cartoonish level of expression in the characters, like there there is a greater exaggeration to everything that's going on that mm-hmm. I really enjoy. It just, I don't know. It feels like they accepted. They're like, all right, we can crank the cartoon 10% on this. And I think it was the right choice. Also, Top 5 Cat Babe is totally pregnant at Niagara Falls, right? Like she's holding her belly before she drops no. the thing. Uh, no. No? You don't think there's a little no. Black Sad? By Black Sad 12, it comes back and it's like, you're my father, Black Sad. Well, no, spoiled. definitely not. I hadn't thought about it. I don't think so. That's an interesting way to read it. I, I, mm, See, I just read it come, as though she was fucking pissed. I, I guess spoilers. Spoilers for um, they all fall down. She comes back. She does. She comes she back. Come back. So, yes. So um, mm. I don't think so. I don't think there's mm. a black sad junior running around yet. I think that was a cool reading though. Yeah. Thanks, Anne. Thank you. No, man, uh, seeing as they're cats, there's probably like 12 of them in there. 74. <gasps> and they all live in a barn. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nope. Every little cat lives in a barn. 
it brings up so or many questions about the universe space. again. Like, what happens if a reptile and a mammal hook up? Are they just incompatible? Or do we get, like, little mutant babies? How does this... They're all at least partially people, right? Do we get, like, little, like, sh- donkey dragon babies? Is that what's going yes. on? What do the laws of biology mean in this universe? In which cats have opposable thumbs and fingers. I need to know... Okay, listen. Biology time. I want an entire... <laughs> record of this planet's natural history i need taxonomy charts out the ass for every single animal species in this book because they all have to share this is a severe case of either convergent evolution or a huge case an even bigger case of same ancestor and i want to see i i need to know i'm more interested in this universe's history than i am ours (laughs) something really something really fucky happened here and I need to know. I need well, that bio- biological we thing. We can, we can try and get in touch with the creative team. Okay. Yeah. And they might say, yeah, we didn't think about that. But then <laughs> they could hire you. They could hire you to do it for them. I'll do what um those I'll do what um Star Wars nerds do on Wikipedia and just put way too much effort into figuring this shit out. And you have a life. You don't need to do that. That is true. <laughs> Thank you for talking me off the ledge. I appreciate it. <laughs> Push against those impulses. Push back in. <laughs> I like that the doomsday sign holders are lemmings. I hadn't noticed that until just now. Oh, that's funny. On page 34 <laughs> of this Wait. one. It's all a bunch of lemmings. I noticed because they're holding a few of them have signs that just say follow us. And I was like, well, that's no. Funny. And then I looked and I was like, wait, those are lemmings. Those are all lemmings marching through the streets with doomsday signs. Oh no, they are. (laughs) Like I said, it's one of those things where it's like you can do a lot of really fun and creative storytelling just with character design. And that's so, so cool. Also, when he kicks the ass of all those little monkeys at the docks, that rules. (laughs) I love those little monkeys. Fuck those little monkeys. That little golden one that blows a cigarette. That's a great panel. Gosh, I so love it when monkeys smoke. I, I know they shouldn't. I know they that shouldn't. That one makes but sense I love it. to me, though. Every little <laughs> smoke that's just... were to smoke and be a monkey. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, just in, like, in real life. He's yeah. smoking. Yeah. That's just a little baby man right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Shall we move on to A yes. Silent Hell? Yes. Or I guess the direct translation is hell, comma, silence in the French. Oui, oui. I think the French do think that silence is hell. I've currently been working with a lot of French people. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> That's the whole sentiment. Oh, no. <laughs> they're Apologize. pissed right now. So I know. So I like what they're doing in their own country. Mm. Go for them. That's awesome. Stay, stay there, please. The ones that have come over from my company's parent company, not as big of a fan. Hmm. That's all I got to say. We're five seconds away from Dallas saying, go back to your own, go back to where you came from. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I also would like if they would share their bagels in the morning. Oh, it's over bagels. I see. It's over a lot of things. But listen, the bagels are part of it. We found the it. Bagels we found are the where root he can, cause. Or where he can bitch. <laughs> what did we think of hell silence? Hell silence. Oh. This one's so good. In this terms is of my... love the colors of this Yeah, one. I was going to say. Just all around. So mm-hmm. pretty. This is my favorite. 
This is my favorite of the series, personally. Mm-hmm. Guy like me, guy like me, put this number one. <laughs> this one's built different, frankly. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That Mardi Gras parade page. That's so built oh yeah. Frankly, mm-hmm. you look at that and you're like, damn. I haven't seen a single page like that in a DC comic, maybe ever. Mm-hmm. No. Listen, you take your best at DC Comics, you put it next to this. I'm sorry. You're going home without the trophy. You know what's really interesting about this story is that every section that's during the daytime is a flashback. And it's actually all being told in one night. It's Black Side Search in the course of one night. And every time you flash back, it's something that happened earlier. But you can read it without knowing that because it works perfectly well going straight forward. There's a couple little pan- like couple little segues that you're like, oh, well, I think this is a, some sort of a time jump. But that's how it's actually structured. And it shows a real mastery over the story that it works both ways. And uh, I know that the Mardi Gras page pages are really just mind-blowing. But every page where they are sitting under the uh, leaf-dappled sunlight mm-hmm. is just absolutely flexing. It's just Juanito just flexing on everybody. Just like, check this out. Well, just doing that with a watercolor. Like, I don't know if any of you have used watercolors, but just... He is such a bitch. That's impossible. <laughs> I have no idea how he did that. Is so mean. It is the one art form that's like, you know what? Fuck you. That's it. <laughs> Like the idea of getting a crisp line in watercolor is bananas. And there was some sort of deal with a ram skulled demon to get these doppled panels. <laughs> this is crazy. Yes. Yeah. Just. Also, great villain design on that ram skull with the giant cape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Rad as hell. You, the first page, seeing that, you're like, oh, this is going to be the best one. This is going to be the best one, hands down. No questions. I love the juxtaposition of noir genre in a setting where we rarely ever get to see that. It's mm-hmm. bright. It's sunny. It's freaking Louisiana. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's something so fresh that it keeps it interesting for the entire way through. It's a setting that is as wonderful as the character's. I personally wish New Orleans was a real place. It looks That'd pretty be cool. So cool. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of, and the characters in it continue being great. I love the um the relationship between the the um the ram and his son. His son is mm-hmm. such a cool character. I love him a lot. And I love this little um the little rooster from Robin Hood who has fallen oh, on hard the times. Prison rooster? Alan yeah. Dale? Yes, heavy. Prison rooster. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the prison. I'm sorry. He looked like he was Are you, Lexi, are you laughing about the prison industrial complex right now? No! I'm, you're doing? no. I think it's funny when people get I'm locked. I'm scared of a rooster up. with a banjo. It's like the red-eyed bull, Alexis. You shut you saw that. You saw that rooster and you were like, ha, that guy's like Akon. He's locked up. <laughs> Get I like that that's head. your touch point for prison. 
<laughs> Matt's like, who's in prison? Akon. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all of us went. All of us were like, well, who is suffering the worst from the prison industrial complex? Akon's free the first one that comes Akon. to mind. Hashtag free Akon. Oh, hell. I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know who's my favorite character design, I think, from this volume? Hmm. Who? The little Madam Medicine Lady. Oh, yeah. I love her hoops and her little scarfs and how she, the side eye that she gives. Every time anybody talks, I think it's so funny. I'm like, yeah, she she's going to kill somebody on purpose. <laughs> also busy teaching. Medicine. She's also busy teaching elementary school at Gumball School. Yes. Yes. <laughs> gumball. Have, have you ever watched The Amazing World of Gumball? No. Look up Surprising the teacher from okay. The Amazing World of Gumball. That show's very funny, but that just ruined that character for me. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> the uh, the scenes where it's all in the candlelight, the glowing yellow, and the clothes are just so cool. Really, Yes, that's specifically when she looks the best to me. Love mm-hmm. that dramatic. Can... I also love the the hippo private eye. Yes, oh. I like when <laughs> when he comes back and they're having a fist fight, and you can see better his little mustache. Perfect character design. <laughs> his little mustache, his tiny ears. I have never seen better shadow work in anything in my life than this whole page where they're just eating outside in like the um yes. the like plaza mm-hmm. and there's the leave shadows on all of them. It's the most realistic lighting I've ever seen in any comic ever. It is unreal. It's it's so cool. And I think that he did it a little bit and I think Red Soul, I think there's like one other comic where there's a t- tiny bit of that that happens, but here mm-hmm. just boom. Um the there's a little um, sort of mi- not mysticism but otherworldliness happening in this comic too. Black Sad gets drugged and then knocked into the water and then has the he like if you can see when he's upside down he's uh, regressing into being a child. Mm-hmm. His clothes don't fit him and he's get he gets he looks like a, a kitty and then he sees this vision of like all these animals like in electric chairs and the meat and then the just like party in hell. And then it cuts Mm -hmm. into Sebastian's point of view. And I love that juxtaposition there of him and his dream looking like healthy. And then the knock on the door and he's bloodshot and weary and found out he's 34 years old. And he's just has this really hard life. That's worn him out and then cutting back to black sad. And then you get possibly a guardian angel. Yeah. His guardian angel cat. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here, but I love it. Okay, so no one knows. It's just it's no. just a thing. It's just it's just there. Okay. Well, there's know. like an image at the very end of like him carrying Black Sad when he was a little kitten. Does anybody remember that? Where, where is this? This. He has the same tattoos. I don't have that. Wait, I don't what? have that. I don't have, I don't that, have that, that either. Yeah, it's on the digital. It's like this black and oh, white oh. picture. There it I is. Like that same cat carrying him when he was a little kitten. So I it's don't like know if it's, it's yeah, like I over here. I don't know if it's like a character from his childhood or a hallucination. It could be his childhood, or that was what him carrying him out of the water. That's yeah. a good question. Not explained. Does not explain. That's okay. But interesting. Yeah. Also, it's that crazy. cat is shredded. <laughs> yeah, I do not have that picture. 
I think that Seb's character design is one of my favorites. And when he is just wailing on that piano, singing his song and telling the story, something that I initially bounced off of in a lot of detective stories was I felt it was lazy that at the end there was always someone who's like, this was the story all along. And I was always mm-hmm. like, this is so dumb. But I have since come around on that and been like, nah, this is it's just dumb, but in a way that I like. This was my favorite version of I'm going to tell you the point of the story and to frame it as him singing his song and explaining why he is the way he is. And just the cartooning on him singing. I could hear him belting out those lyrics just because of the strain on his face and in his neck while he was going. It's and it's multiple people saying what happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's not just him, but our, our killer also is explaining everything to you. So you get that, you know, where it's a little less cliched when multiple people are filling in all the blanks and the, 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 all the blue wash there is, is really cool for the flashbacks. A little, little less conventional than say like a sepia tone flashback that they used earlier. It's just really stunning. I think this one um, might be my favorite as well, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then the tragedy of him not getting to seven time, right? That he's had this packet of heroin that he's been waiting on shooting up all night, waiting to tell a story. It's the rat poison that was given to him to kill him. And he's just not, hasn't died because he, he's just been holding off, holding off, holding off, trying to do what he needs to do. And then he does it. And just that, like, oh, man, him dead on the toilet, just bug-eyed, totally, like, slack. Um, it's, yeah, it's really rough. It's really sad and brutal. Um, but then at the same time, juxtaposing it with uh, the with his, his wife or his girlfriend singing Summertime to their newborn. You know, it's, it's this, yeah, it's just tragic. It's tragic in just the right way, I think where it doesn't bring the story down. It doesn't make it overwhelmingly sad. It's kind of a pitch perfect note, in my opinion. I agree. I haven't commented on it yet, but I think Black Sad's green suit is also fantastic. I do like the green suit. It's a real good look. I also, I like that this Amarillo rolls right out of this one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everything can be read as its own piece, but I like that little bit of continuity, this idea, especially because so much of noir fiction is set in either L.A. or New York. The mm-hmm. idea of Black Sad setting it here in New Orleans, like Anne said, but then as a road trip across the heartland of America was really, really fun. Any other thoughts from anyone on Silent Hell? Before I move on. No, I think I'm ready for for Amarillo. That's my favorite. Co-translated by the late Neil Adams, who's got a little intro in the volume that I have, where he rambles like a crazy person. Like he took a break from writing Batman Odyssey, and he wrote that, and then went back to work on that that comic book. Anyone anyone read Batman Odyssey? And I'm sure you've read Batman Odyssey. No it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I have not. We shall not world, disparage the dead. The world keeps getting smaller, Matt. What you do? No, it's the world keeps getting bigger. That's what it was. 
Batman with a gun. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is this? What are you looking at, Batman Odyssey? Yeah, what is what year was the 2010? Yeah, this was recent so, history. Yeah, so there was this point. Okay, so Neil Adams, prolific, really important comic book artist. He worked on. I mean, his big claims to fame were in the 70s on working with Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill's the writer. Adams was the artist, and they did Green Arrow, Green Lantern, uh, which brought a lot of social issues. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. Um, and look up bat like just look up like Neil Adams Batman gun and um I mean I I have to read it now my my boy's in it <laughs> oh there you go he's got a shirt on too he's and uh on. so and so they did that they did a big you know highly influential run on Batman they did a lot of things he did uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali which I love I love Superman versus Muhammad Ali it's one of my favorites and uh you know he went on did a lot of stuff he was very important in the industry for a long time and then the Late 2000s, early 2010s, Adams kind of came back in a big way, wanting to write and draw all of his stuff for like Marvel and DC. And it was kind of all a big disaster. He'd made Batman Odyssey, which is completely insane. He did a Dead Man one, I think. He did a Superman one. They're all just totally nuts. He did a comic called, I think it's the first X-Men. I'm not sure if I'm getting that right. But he did a a revisionist X-Men story. I think it was called the first X-Men. That was basically that Wolverine actually founded the X-Men and recruited Charles Xavier into his cause years before the original X-Men started. And Xavier would have never done it if it wasn't for Wolverine. It's like six issues and was immediately stricken from comic book canon by Marvel as soon as it was over. I think it's called First X-Men. I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, Neil Adams worked on some of the translation on this one. I don't know. I think that maybe he added a little stuff. You know, you get translations aren't necessarily one-to-one when you're transcribing these sort of works. You're not just going to do that because then it's going to be clunky. Good translators going to keep the spirit and the intent of all the words, but change a few things here and there to make it work right in the, the language that's being translated to. So I think he did a little bit on this one. Most of these volumes are actually translated by different people. Hmm. But I do think that the writing works really well, um, despite all that. There's a lot of... It, it works really well, especially, I would say, you know, volume three and on. Yeah. Amarillo? Amarillo. We got, Let's do it. We got poets, lion poets, bison mm-hmm. poets, cars, got, um, motorcycle gangs. Yeah. We do have Saul Goodman. We do. Can this be Who a Better else? Call Saul podcast? Can we scrap it right now and start... Season one, episode one. Thoughts on no. Better Call Saul? Never watched it. I don't want to be a Better Call Saul fan in that way, but you should. It's very I've, good, Matt. I've tried twice. I've gotten four episodes in. It's a lot. <laughs> I've watched all Breaking Bad and um, El Camino. I loved it. So That's good. That's very exciting. I I call, better Call Saul is better. No. It is. That's wrong. Well, now you're one of now have you're you, one of those. Have you watched it all, Alexis? Not all of it, because the first season sucked. First off, Damn. it's a slow burn for sure. But <laughs> if you have to say that, that's how you know it's bad. That's not first true. Job. Well, you see, 
this is every TV show's fan. Well, you see, the first season's not so good, but yeah. halfway through the second season, well, it gets really get good. And then you want to, and then and then you'll really be hooked as long as you invested at least seventy hours of your time. Then you're really gonna like it, and then you're gonna want to watch it again. Thank Listen you. here, you. I'm not that's you right now. Dallas. I know that's me right now. I'm not pitching the Mandalorian. I'm not pitching Andor. I'm pitching good television. Oh, but Andor's good. Okay, no, it's not. <laughs> is Andor good, or is it just not bad and also Star Wars? Damn. I that that was just the Star Wars bar. Exactly. People, Star Wars fans, will be like, that was the greatest show that has ever existed. And it's like, no, it's not. That was normal TV. It just also had the Star Wars label, and your guys' expectations are in hell. In hell. I'm texting Evan. I'm tattling on you. <laughs> it ain't I good. Watched, I haven't watched Andrew. Anne is going to go to Evan's house if you don't stop. <laughs> She's going to relationship with Elson. Evan's my new best friend. <laughs> yeah. You and Evan share joint custody of Anne. She's going to go to Anne. She's going to go to Evan's house if you don't knock it off. That's okay. Evan's going to try my chili. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Five minutes later. So relationship with Evan has ended. I need a new parent. Oh. <laughs> Amarillo. Amarillo. Poor lion. Get this poor lion. That is the best way to start this. He has a beautiful no The terrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Chad. Chad the lion. He's definitely the, the lead character of this one, I would say. Oh, yeah. And his horrible luck, his ability to get so many people killed. Mm-hmm. Although Ginsburg was so annoying that when he shot, I kind of forgot that he shot him before I reread this. And I was like, I just want him gone already. And then the next page, he, he shot him. <laughs> I that feel was a really good thing that I was proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm, it needed to be done. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I don't usually support gangland style murder, but in this case, I'll make an upset. I'm, I'm in this case, it. gave the guy's poems a break. Jesus Christ. He did nothing wrong. <laughs> Actually, this entire thing, he did nothing wrong. <laughs> I felt um, a little betrayed because I thought Ginsburg was so cool when he was on the beach, just wailing. I was like, look at that guy. I want to be just like that guy. And then in this one, I was like, don't do this. This isn't who you are. Stop it right now. <laughs> No. Betrayed um, by those that were close to me. Well, in that first one, he is actually reading Allen Ginsberg's Howl. Mm-hmm. It is actually Howl. And then here he's just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. So, um, but speaking of assholes, I actually love the character of Neil Beto, the, the attorney. Mm-hmm. When he shows up, he's so slick greasy sleazy and you're like this fucking guy <laughs> and then by the end you're like i love you and like i think it's when he's singing route 66 to black set sister's kid and you're like black set as a sister um there's nothing that would say that wasn't the case before but when he's singing and he's really happy and he clearly likes the sister but he's not actually being a sleaze with her and all that sort of stuff. You're like, oh, like I, I really like you. And then, and then tragedy, devastation, day ruined. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. I think it's interesting the idea of 
like artistic integrity and whether or not you can know what you're actually making is good. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like the last few volumes of this were really tackling big social issues of the 1950s. And then this one feels like a much more personal tale. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're taking a break from the nationwide scales to talk about very personal scales and something that creators of this book would know something about in mm-hmm. just wanting to make something of your work, wanting your work to have something to say, but then also having that mean voice of Ginsburg on your shoulder that like, you're never going to be good enough. You're a sellout because you found success. Your art has become hollow in its distribution. I, mm-hmm. I found it really interesting to have those kind of stakes within the black sad universe. Yeah, I agree. Um, Lex, you said this one was your favorite. You want to talk about why? Sure. Um, I don't know what it is, but the story of like the runaway into the circus surrounded by all these like crazy circus people. It's just like so fun to me. And like to get obviously like following Chad across the country after he steals the car that Black Sad's supposed to return for some money. And then like they're in this big cross country chase with each other. It just was so fun and lighthearted and like, I don't know, just like the epitome of like, like crime across the country. I don't know. It was just like an adventure. And I loved the coloring. I loved the the pages. Um, the characters were really fun. I loved the character character development of Chad as he's going through like his his basically like mental breakdown to like coming out of it and being like, oh holy shit, what did I just do? To then more or less taking part in the resolution of it. And saying, like, no, this is what I have to do to fix this. And I just loved to get to watch that whole arc of how they got there. I thought it was really, really fun. And I also thought that it kind of gave Black Sat a um, lesson as well, which was kind of fun. Um, From his, like, development of hating the attorney to, like, liking him at the end and their funny relationship and like the car drive with the crazy parrot that was just like, oh, no offense, but I am a raging racist. But no offense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no offense. And then he just <laughs> sucker punches him right in the face while he's driving. That was so funny. And then his like yeah. his joke afterwards is just it just was fun. Like I just liked how this one was silly, but I still had like the crime under undertone and yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. It just it just had a lot of fun moving pieces for me. It's kind of a coming of age story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the panel with Black Sad on the motorcycle is just just sums up why I love this one so much. Mm-hmm. The road trip. I love a good road trip story so much. And mm-hmm. getting to see Black Sad go across the country and um with the the lawyer character who is such a endearing character, surprisingly endearing character. And getting to get those little hints of Black Sad's past. We get to meet his sister, who is fantastic. We get to... Um, I'm, I'm gold, medal, gold medal in the greasers, too. Yes. Good dudes. The Jeez. Um, yeah, just, it, was, it was wonderful to get to see that. And I've 
you know, bad luck Chuck over here, just everything bad happening to him. I felt so bad, but I thought it was resolved in a very, in a very unique way Mm -hmm. where he had that out and he chose not to take it. And just the, the silent page at the end, where it's just the goose that finds his, his script and just is reading as he walks down the street. Yeah. Wonderful. And that's what uh, Ginsburg told him to do. Leave it in a public toilet. Maybe it'll get some sort of use that way. Mm-hmm. And then someone gets to actually read a story. Yeah, it is the most um, offbeat, right, of all of these. Mm-hmm. It is a road trip, coming of age. It's screwball comedy to some degree, but it's very bittersweet also with uh, people constantly dying. So I think I, another. Oh, you go. Sorry. I was going to say, if I could get any of these adapted in some sort of way, I would choose this one. Yeah, I could see that. <clears throat> there's. It'd be the most unique. And there's a lot of room in there for it to really be fleshed out. Yeah. Into an even bigger story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, oh, and then I guess, yeah, again, the, these little after pages, kind of hard to see, but the. Um, how he tells Weekly he's going to develop the, the photos. It's really hard to see right now. But all the photos have been developed. And you can see on this page, it's really hard. But you see all these photos from across the trip, including him with, with Neil and Chad and his love interest and the sister and her son and the biker gang. You see that um, Blackset has been taking photos the whole time documenting this trip. Yeah, awesome. It's very bittersweet. I think him becoming a little bit of a photographer is interesting as well. Something Alan Moore talked about in God, here we go. Wanting to play with Oh the, shoot, here we go again. Here we go, Mr. Quotes. But Alan Moore talked about using reporters instead of detectives for these kind of stories. Like if you want to avoid copaganda, if you want to avoid playing into authoritarian tropes you can tell a lot of the same stories through the lens of a reporter through the lens of someone who is trying to just get the truth out of there instead of trying to reinforce the authoritarian agenda, which Mm -hmm. I, I found very interesting and as a good solution to continuing to have these kind of stories moving into the future. So, yeah. Yeah. I I like that. Um, Oh, it did. Did you all read the two short stories? Did any of you have short stories? I read them. I had the two short stories. Okay, yeah. In in mine, they're in the um, they're in the Silent Hell uh, volume because I'm an original fan. I've been collecting these for a long time. Mm. Don't talk back to me, kids. Um, there's one called Spit at the Sky and one called like Cats and Dogs. They're just two pages each, and they're they're really nice. They're short, um, two pages, punchy and. I, I do think they sort of reveal what's a little bit more of like the heart underneath the stories where spit at the sky. There's this woman on the street who's like trying to get this copy and like, no, you don't understand like this man, he, he killed my son and you need to bring him to justice. And the dog cops like, I'll oh, forget it lady. And then it, she's like, here's the picture. And like black said, takes her in. Here's the picture. He puts it on his unsolved cases. And it's a picture of uncle Sam there's an eagle in this case saying, I want you for the U S army that her son was killed you know, in the military and in combat after being probably drafted. And the other one is like cats and dogs. And it's first pages about all these people, like these tensions in the street, people fighting 
you know, men and women, different races, uh, cops and criminals, all these people and blacks seeing this, this tension. And then he goes to the bar and he meets Smirnoff and he says, I know exactly what I need, which is time with a friend. And this little sweet little touching moment between the two. So you get like mm-hmm. political ideas in one, you get the heart in the other. Cause I do think that these stories like we've been talking about have political outlook to them and have ideas about the world and these issues that were affecting the United States and still are affecting the United States can be seen in different countries. It's all there. I know that it's important to keep politics out of our comics and that uh, art should only be to entertain and not to actually change the world. But, uh, you know, it's okay. I think I'll make an exception for this one. Yeah, we'll let him get away with this because... I'll just pretend... I'll just pretend that black sat is white. That works. Also, these ones come from Spain. And so just like <laughs> manga, they aren't saying anything. You know, right. like what's, what's these comics not from saying. America. I've seen aren't I played, commenting on it. I'm playing Resident Evil 4 remake right now. I know that the Spanish are, you know, they're they're full of there, monsters on the inside. <laughs> there's a question for you later about Resident Evil 4 remake. Oh Jesus. So, oh, I forgot that we've got questions. We've got yeah, we'll we go should quick. probably go if into little. those. <laughs> <laughs> people like us listen. too much these days we get a hell of a lot more questions than we used to you yeah, listen so i cut popular you're gonna be popular that's the best song that you could have ever sang to me as a <laughs> kid all right so everyone's favorite everyone's top number one Silent Hill. Lexi. Okay, Silent Hill for Donna's Lexi. I'm Rio. I said Silent Hill. Anne? Um, Silent Hill. Okay. <gasps> All right. I'm changing nice. my answer to Red Soul now. Oh, I'm changing my name. Every single one is good. My jury's still out on They All Fall Down for me. Like I said, I've only read volume mm-hmm. one. It's going to be a four that volume story. Wild. But it was, it was wild. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't if read I volume could two say, yet. those would be my favorite. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Maybe we'll loop back once those four volumes are done. Maybe we'll loop back and we'll talk about those because they're really fun. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, this episode is going on long enough that they might have been published by now. So, yeah, (laughs) kidding. Would you look at that? They're there. I thought this (laughs) would be the best one. Um, All right, let's do listener questions. Mm -hmm. So, first up, we have Dear Collective. Love the pod and really like this book as well as the whole anthropomorphic animal shtick in stories. What kind of story would you want to see use anthropomorphic characters? Personally, I think it could be fun to see an anthropomorphic slasher movie. That's from Zach. It would be really fun. So. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a whodunit with anthropomorphic mm. animals. It's real That'd Benoit be Blanc style. That'd be fun. I like that. Mm-hmm. 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 What animal would he be, though? What would the detective be? An owl. It has to be an owl. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Who? I like who that. did it? Who? Who did it? <laughs> that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking <laughs> in circles for hours. <laughs> Sold. Write the script. Um, Slasher is so, so good. I, I honestly don't know. I do not know. I was going to say like a coming of age movie, but then I realized the Goofy movie already did that. So enough said. Yeah, That's true. And so did an extremely the... Goofy movie. Yeah. 
find what Disney hasn't cornered the market on. <laughs> yeah, there you um, go. Small, small ask. Horror. We can do it. Yeah, yeah, horror, horror works. Yeah, you know what my favorite part of a goofy movie is? Starts and just says a movie, and you're like, here we go. And then Goofy comes in, and suddenly it's a Goofy movie. You're like, what the hell is about to happen? It really sets the tone for the rest of that film. So that's what that means. I've been so confused for so long. Bye. My favorite part of the Goofy movie is the fact that this character is just our little brother. (laughs) The guy with the shaved head. Yeah. And the funny glasses. That's just our little brother. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the Leaning Tower of Cheesa guy? Yes. Yes. It's the movie that made me think spray cheese would taste a lot better than it actually does. Oh my gosh. Listen, spray cheese on Ritz crackers is a delicacy, and I'm not going to have you coming after that snack. Uh, the so trauma got- that that snack has given our mother is so funny. Huh. She's traumatized by is, it. Is this a Utah delicacy? Is this a, a pregnant Lisa delicacy? <laughs> that's an Adam Taylor special right there. My yeah, dad just dad's doing dream. that. Just, he loves spray cheese. He does love spray cheese. <laughs> that man, that man <laughs> loves a poverty meal, frankly. I don't know. So our answers are Slasher, Who Done It, and Goofy Movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lex, you want to read the next one? Oh yes, let me pull it up quickly. Can I, I? Yes, I want a Jackass movie. <laughs> Just a Jackass <laughs> oh, movie with yes. Anthony. You know, I'm halfway through finally watching Jackass Forever. It's healing my soul. Yes. Cinema. <laughs> it's a wonderful movie. Movies have the power to change the world. Yes. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. (laughs) I was waiting for a second part of that, but there was no second part to that. Okay, that's it. Okay, next question. Okay, next question. Um, These are from Reaper One Storm. It says Black Sad Questions. That's that's their Christian name, actually. Yes. (laughs) Love it. We love it. Do this in your best heavy metal voice. Black metal voice. Do it, Alexis. Do it. Do it. Do it. No. I don't well, God, know. What's your favorite issue? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, number one, do you think the racial aspects of Arctic Nation were handled well enough for uh, well enough for through the 1950s lens that we see it through? Oh, do you think it was handled well enough for the uh, 1950s lens that we see it through? And number two, what was your favorite story within Black Sad? I think we answered both of those. I would say so too. Decently well. Anyone have any more thoughts on Arctic Nation? They didn't get out of their system. Um, wild comic. That was the wildest <laughs> of the bunch. Yeah, yeah. Did, I, Thank I, you I can't. Question. I can't. Just ripped her jacket off. I know. I felt That's very great. Like, yes. And you winter. Nicely. <laughs> Could have just showed her the picture. I don't know. I know. You just could have been like. He had the evidence. That just was so dramatic. So unnecessary. This could have been doctored. It wasn't. Yeah. Goodness. He's got that je ne sais quoi. What can we say? Sure. (laughs) He could have shown the picture. But does that have the same (gasps) appeal? Not exactly. I don't think the appeal is good. It was very cold outside. That's what that (gasps) came from. (laughs) It's snowy. 
ill. He's like, beware, I have cat-like reflexes. Rips blouse off. I'm so sorry. I didn't know what came over me. Do you see? It's like, beware, I have horse-like reflexes. And you're like, what's that? And then kicks you in the fucking mouth. (laughs) (laughs) What's that supposed to mean? Uh, third question comes from alexander hello collective i'm praying you all enjoyed reading the adventures of my favorite feline detective something i love about black sad is how unified the creative team is between drawing and writing with both sides completely in sync with the vision of what black sad should be as well as lettering what that actually looks good paired with painted art my question is if you have had any thoughts on the increasing trend for comic fans and publishers placing higher importance on the writer and cre- as the creative force behind a book while artists previously were seen as the more important side thanks for your question alex um anyone have anything they'd like to shoot off first i think it's an outgrowth of vertigo comics and mm-hmm. the idea of the british invasion writers as the main appeal for those and then those comics became our prestige comics. And so we've rolled now into prestige comics are headed by writers. So I think it's just a series of successes. It's the one that survived, whereas the Marvel comics that were headed by artists at the same time don't have the same staying power in our current conscious. I think it ebbs and flows and we're just in a mm-hmm. writer dominant space right now. Do you think it also has something to do with the fact that like, it feels like in America that illustration isn't seen as a legitimate art form because we get a lot mm. of pushback against animators. We get a lot of pushback against comic artists. It just feels like, oh, you draw cartoons for a living? Oh, you draw superheroes for a living? It That's cute. That's that's kind of the vibe I get off. Where it's like, I don't feel like they're outside of the comic community. I don't feel like they're as appreciated as much as like a writer can be. I mean, I, I think that's pers- a good point. I think it is a fair point. I think it, I really do think it ebbs and flows, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think there was a time when during like the Disney Renaissance, those movies are the movies that people remember from that time period. And right now animation is not being taken as seriously. I think that it will come back into being taken more seriously. You know, I think there are eras where Jack Kirby's artwork is absolutely what is selling. Jim Lee's artwork is absolutely what is selling comics. Whereas there are times when it's Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore that are absolutely selling those comics, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that, that, that sort of attribution only to the writer is probably in more of a United States problem than anything. You know, if I, I doubt there's someone, I doubt there's like French and Spanish fans of black sad that are being like, well, Diaz Canales is, is the, the real creator and Larnito is just, you know, he's just the artist. I doubt that's happening there because, well, you know, as, as I've seen most days, uh, superhero comics rot, rot your brain and uh, they, uh, they cause you to only think about things in, in one track. Uh, not anyone. I'm not speaking about anyone here. Obviously I'm, I'm among very um, intelligent individuals, but. <laughs> I didn't think you were me told me now. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm concerned. I think yes. no, but I this whole I think it's just this oversimplification of of how we take in our art, our comics, our our TV, our movies, how it's all just like, well, I I I have to subscribe to auteur theory or I just got to focus on the writer or you know, Kevin Kevin Feige is actually the the mind behind everything or 
Jonathan Majors, you know, assaulted a woman. How does this apply to my love of the MCU? We'll just pretend that it's Kang. That sort of stuff where you're just like, you see this sort of stuff every day and you're like, these people have brain worms because they (laughs) refuse to properly interact with the entertainment and art that they consume. Yeah. There you go. Boom. I agree. What? <laughs> Someone does not agree. She that was the- had a hot take on that one. I apologize. Lexi, is the police chief visiting? <laughs> yeah, it's Smirnoff. <laughs> Oof. All right. Let's move into the next question. This one is from Matt the Snapper. He says, Would you. Is that a al- Christian name? Uh, yes. Yes, actually. That came from his baptism mm-hmm. he says would you all like to see an animated black sad movie done in traditional animation and if so who would you like to see as black sad hope you're doing well and great to have posted an email finally for the podcast may matt draper go john wick on whoever is complaining that he's not making comic book videos anymore man's got to branch out <laughs> thank you i appreciate that uh matt i know matt the snapper he's been a long time subscriber uh, mm-hmm. so thank you for writing in. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously traditional animation would be the way to go. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why I was a little cool on getting into the the Black Side game because it is all, you know, CGI. <clears throat> Lacks sort of maybe the the appeal of the art. But I mean, I said Idris Elba as his voice. I mean, he, that's the right he just blue, He was Luther, um, and drop. You know, if he just does an American accent, we can do. He would be great as uh, as Black Sad. How about you, Lex? Who do you want to see play Black Sad in an animated movie? Well, I think that obviously Matt just took the right answer, but um, I don't know. I uh, that's a really good question. I don't know if it was necessarily my the first thing that came to image. I don't know if it was necessarily me thinking of him in an animated form, which is terrifying as cats just came right full front to my mind but uh michael b jordan (laughs) and i was like oh that's icky michael b jordan as in cats the musical and then i was like i'm gonna (laughs) have to sit with that for the rest of my life (laughs) so Mm, thanks for putting that in our brains yeah yeah. in honor of the one year anniversary of cats the musical watch through with Anne. Shivers. Don't remember a single goddamn thing about that night, except that you're awesome. That was all I remember. It was a fun conversation. Lakeith Steinfeld could be cool, too. I think he's a really great chameleon in all the roles he's been in. He's got a nice voice. I just want to say, I could have been invited to the Cats watch party. Uh, I could have been invited to the Watchmen episode. Did you want to be? I could have been invited to the Calvin and Hobbes episode. I couldn't have been invited to the to the Twilight episode. These are things I'm passionate about. Twilight. Yeah, I love Twilight. Friend? I has anyone said Aegis Elba yet? Um, because if not, <laughs> no. And no one spend this whole conversation. Listen, listen here. I, no, no, I have an actual answer. <laughs> so okay. you listen. I was gonna go with Phil Lamar. Because I think he is vastly underrated. I know him because he was my favorite Aquaman in Injustice, and he's also played John Stewart before. I think he could. I think he could bring the gravitas the character needs. He could be fun with it. I want to see Philomar have some fun. 
I could have been invited to the always never episode. <laughs> You're an always yeah. never enjoyer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's real mm-hmm. comics. Yeah, see, every worry, once we'll... while there's a real comic. Yeah, we'll bring you on when we talk about Spawn. Well, obviously. Yeah. The, the way we get around that is we just never talk about Spawn. <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. It'll hurt me. I recently said I didn't like Spawn on TikTok, and that like really rubbed some people wrong. I was like, I didn't know Spawn had shooters. All right, I thought we'd it's all fine. accepted that it's not. I made a good. whole video about why Spawn sucks, and my the responses are, "You're right, uh, you're right," but I still love it. Or um, Spawn is way better than anything Marvel's done in the last five years. That's it. The, those are the three responses. <sighs> That's it. That's the, those are the three categories. They're the three genders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tag yourself i'm yes but i still love it <laughs> shout out to panels to pixels and and uh, Ma- uh maddie from stoked they both love spawn oh and diego rivera they all love spawn and they all know it that sucks oh, proud of all of you all right should we hit these last two questions from Absolutely. some friends of the pod? lexi you want to get the next one you betcha all right, it says, hey, Comics Collective, glad to see you fin- you finally covering the masterpiece that is Black Sad, a comic so good you actually managed to get noted comics hater Matt Draper back into the fold. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been fascinated with the series' use of allegory with Disney-esque talking animals giving fun twists on real-world figures. I think these caricatures are great for people who aren't fluent in the history of this period with characters heightened into more accessible stand-ins of actual people or groups. However, I can also see an argument that this presentation could clash against the more nuanced adult nature of Black Sad stories, simplifying events that were much more tragic and complicated in real life. How do you think all... Wait, how do you all think Black Sad's use of animal characters impacts its commentary? Enjoy the series and happy casting. Doug Smith. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Sorry they didn't like Parker. Yeah. (laughs) I like Parker, Doug. We need to read more of it. I'll double down. We did read the hardest one. Much like Black Sad, Parker gets more fun as it goes. And we just read. There's one where he's locked in Disneyland and he's got to fight a bunch of people. It's great. There's one where there's like 10 heists at the same time. And that one's really fun. And they're all different art styles. That one's really awesome. Um, I mean, yeah, I would say we talked about this. The the animal, the anthropomorphizing of everything, I think maybe helps the harder, harsher issues go down a little smoother. Palatable. Palatable. Where you're like, oh, that poor cute owl just got his throat slit. Or, oh, well, it was actually the guy's daughter that he was married to the whole time. And, uh, oh, you know, that jackal just got hit by, uh, or that hyena just got hit by a bus and stuff like that. But um, I would say that I think it makes you work a little bit harder as a reader. Keep everything in contention in your mind. But that's just me, and mm. I think the black sad honks. What? What was that? <laughs> you can be on for the Untitled Goose Game episode. That's 
he- you wait, you had the ability to do that this entire episode and you <laughs> had the willpower to wait until the two hour mark. I'm honestly impressed. Proud. Proud of you. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Um, okay, willpower to not do it again just there is actually more impressive than the two hours before it. I'm so happy. <laughs> All right, Lexi and Anne, do you have any other thoughts on the anthropomorphization of Black Sad? Do you think this would have worked if it wasn't animals? Mm, no. No. It's It makes it, it would more would be a little palatable. too generic, right? Yeah. yeah. A little too, too generic? It gives it a unique voice, which <clears throat> when you have a genre that's been as populated as noir you always need you need that angle to make it stand out and this makes it stand out a character like black sad could easily have been forgotten if he wasn't as unique as he is and a lot of that comes down to his character design and how we are able to portray him i also i really like in specifically in the noir genre but just in a lot of western media in general the underlying force is this idea of like the rugged individual right like there's one man who's gonna power his way through all this and i like that as the book goes along we see black sad relying more and more upon around on the people around him we see him inviting weekly in we see him becoming friends with the lawyer we just see that hard shell that we were introduced to in the first book slowly get chipped away where by the end, like Matt said, the heart of this book is in one of these short stories where we see that he does have a friendship with the police chief, with the German Shepherd. That ultimately, this book is also about Black Sad letting people into his life. Mm-hmm. It's got everything that you want. Yeah. It's got cute animals. It's got mystery. <laughs> it's got sex. It's got comedy. It's got pretty colors. Got sex. Got mystery. And you know, like, you know, good good writing too. We've talked a lot about the ripping the blouse moment, but the fox with that lady is like a jump scare. When you <laughs> when you turn like page and just like the fox back, just like railing this because again, like the lady animals are basically just ladies. And so I'm just like, ah, porn what is going on furries i'm sure love black sad but you do not need to be a furry to love black sad there you go Mm -hmm. there you have it wise all rectangles are squares but not all squares are rectangles wise words wise wise words final question this evening comes from friend of the show and guest of the show next week evan Good evening, Collective Crew and Matt. Black Sad is one of those comics that looks up my alley, but I just never found the motivation to push in and read it. What would you say to a poor fool like me to sell me on this book? Also, question for the only other Resident Evil fan here. How much are you loving Resident Evil 4 Remake, or Remake with a 4 and a capital R-E, as I like to call it? Thanks, and keep on collectivating, collectivating those comics, Evan. Also, I have an update from Evan. I said, Dallas says Andor is bad. And Evan said, quote, what the fuck? He didn't watch it. He's lying. I don't believe him. No way. End quote. So thank you, Evan, for writing in today. (laughs) How are we going to sell Evan on this? (laughs) If the last two hours haven't sold you. If you're still here, Evan, just go get it. 
I'll give you Dallas's <laughs> comicsology password. Stop. <laughs> Say. Yeah, that's actually and- one of the Patreon perks. Is everyone gets access to Dallas's. <laughs> no, just me. I'm special. I don't pay for anything on this app. Oh my- um. Yeah. Anne's been a little grumpy this episode. Don't let that dissuade you. It was still a lot of fun. Any book where I can be like, yeah, the women were kind of shit, but I still liked it is a book that's worth reading <laughs> because it didn't turn me off enough to be like, never again. I'm that's what I'm talking act- about. I'm act- Ladies and gentlemen, we got her. <laughs> Bring down the banner. I had no choice. It says mission accomplished. I had no comics. Mission accomplished. Boys. I'm, not, I'm on a battle. I'm on a, a, hel- a carrier right now. I got a big banner behind me that says mission accomplished. <laughs> the F-15s just flew over. Tom Cruise is base jumping out of one of them. Boy, I got comics. an exit strategy too. Uh, yeah. I, I love that it's like a huge achievement when the reality is like, that's like 95% of what comics makes me read. So it's, I have to be here for it one way or the other. It's a fun medium. I'm glad to be here. There's it's, it's worth it. I think this will speak to you a lot more than it spoke to me, which is saying, which is saying something. Cause I, just downloaded the newest one and I'm going to start there as soon as this call is over. Oh, oh hell yeah. That's very good. It's those ones, good. I do have to say that those ones that we didn't read that I accidentally read because I thought we were supposed to, look at me doing extra homework, extra credit. Um, they slap. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> I don't know if it's because like I can tell that they're new, but they're very good. Listen, Robert Moses is a bird. It's wild. It's real good. Uh, Matt. This little alpaca lady. She's nice. Matt, what are you thinking of Resident Evil 4 remake? I'm really enjoying it. I just got up to the castle, so I'm a few hours in. It's really fun. <clears throat> it is really kind of a straight remake of... Uh, I'll put my hand down, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll. Uh, it's really a straight remake of, of the original. It's, you know, the remakes of 2 and 3 did their own thing but four is like just on the cusp of modern gaming so there's just there's just enough to change to freshen it up it's a little darker a little bit more intense it kind of zigs when you think it's gonna zag but it's pretty similar i'm really enjoying it uh the controls are great great atmosphere slightly slightly disappointed in some of the boss battles so far um and are you raising your hand yes can you okay you go shoot and walk at the same time now yes okay that's sick might try it now because no I'm, more tank controls. me so much it's got the same sort of control scheme as the resident evil 2 and 3 remakes over the shoulder running gunning some crouching and dodging uh there's like um a lot more melee the knife is super important now which is interesting you can mm-hmm. like parry including <clears throat> parrying a chainsaw uh, with it but it, the blade will break uh, i i enjoy it a little again a little disappointed maybe some of the bosses they're Really, really similar to the original. I was kind of hoping they'd be, do some updates, but maybe they'll change further into the game. I'm really liking it. I'm having a great time. Uh, super fun. Awesome. Glad I'll give it a look it. after I get done with my other horror remake uh, that I'm working my way through. I've been meaning to play that one. That's one of the next ones on my list, along with God of War Ragnarok. I need I to have. finish that one. I got halfway through that. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I'm a dead space. And are you enjoying? Are you enjoying the dead space remake? I am. It makes it takes me in my happy place, which you know it shouldn't. But surrounded dead space by is, necromorphs, dead space is my happy place. One nice. of the 
best commentaries on organized religion I've seen in any medium. I love <laughs> unitology so much. You heard it here first, first folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, video game talk. Matt, do you have anything you want to plug for the people before we roll into our exit credits? Uh, I have some noir recommendations. Yeah. For anyone that's looking, if you're new to noir or you don't have a lot of experience with it or you're looking for something different, noir, I guess we haven't really talked about it much. You know, it's this style that dates back to the 30s that starts the noir name, French for black, uh, and detective stories, crime stories. It's a pretty um, loose genre, especially as the decades go on. But, you know, you can trace it back. A very classic noir would be something like the Maltese Falcon. You know, you've got your detective investigating a case. He's got great morality. There's a femme fatale. There's corruption that goes up to the top and a MacGuffin at the center. And you're trying to solve a mystery and everything gets unraveled by the end uh, with some sort of dark justice being done. But noir can be applied to anything. Some of my recommendations. I do like the Parker comics. Um, uh I do think they get better. I like the first one, but I think they get more interesting and varied. I love Criminal by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I'm not sure. Have you all read Criminal? I have, but we've not done an episode. So good. Uh, It is such a great comic, despite it's a very generic title. Um, And as far as noir films go, or film noir, as they like to say, uh, The Third Man is one of my favorites. Uh, the uh, Sunset Boulevard is a classic film noir that intersects with Hollywood. Like I said, the Maltese Falcon, the big sleep night of the hunter is a noir ish um, touch of evil or uh, touch Orson Welles is in both touch of evil and the third man touch of evil opens with an amazing super long tracking shot following a, a bomb being planted under a car devil in a blue dress says Denzel. It's a, it's a made, in the 90s, but it's set in the past. There's noir and neo-noir. And noir is a classic noir with all the trappings and tropes in the past. And neo-noir is present day or future. But you don't. But being uh, made in the present doesn't necessarily make you a neo-noir. It's about the style that you take on. Uh, Dark City is a sci-fi horror noir. It's very offbeat. Uh, Seven is a... That's with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and is a serial killer noir. Bound is a lesbian noir. Drive is a neo-noir. Um, hold on. Yeah. Time out. And time out. What was that? What was, what did you just say? Yeah. Bound by okay. the Wachowskis before they made the matrix. It's a lesbian noir. Fuck. What? Right, where write, have... that, write that down. Write that down. Damn it. Uh, Drive with Gosling, kicks the guy's head in. Memento by Nolan, you know, it's a time fragmented noir. Zodiac is one of my favorites. That's with journalists at the center instead of detectives. Brick is a neo-noir by Ryan Johnson before he destroyed Star Wars. And uh, it's set in the high school. <laughs> Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is by uh, Shane Black. And it stars Robert Downey Jr. before he became Iron Man. And when he was still being an actual actor. It's a, it's really great. I love that one. Fargo is by the Coens. That is a very offbeat uh, North Dakota set noir. The Long Goodbye is one of the earlier neo noirs. The Transplants. Uh, Philip Marlowe, who's a classic 
noir detective into modern, then modern 70s California by Robert Altman and undercuts classic noir with modern cynicism. Le Samurai is a French noir. It's super cool. I love that one. L.A. Confidential, uh, based on a book, is a ensemble noir detective story dealing with murder mystery and gossip in Hollywood in the golden era. Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies ever. Sci-fi neo-noir. Don't probably have to explain much of it, but it is noir through and through. Double Indemnity, that's classic noir. Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies ever. It's a comedy. What's great about Big Lebowski is that the dude is a unwilling participant in the noir mystery happening around him and is actively always trying to get out of the story that he's in. When you see it through that lens, it's really, it's really interesting. Blowout is a noir about filmmaking meets murder that's all about sound design. And it's really, really cool. Collateral is noir-ish. It's a modern Michael Mann. That's the first Mann movie that he made using uh, digital filmmaking. Uh, Tom Cruise playing one of his rare villains. Super cool. I love that. And uh, yeah, those are some of my noir recommendations. Thank you very much. I definitely have a few to add to my list. And uh, that's what I have to plug besides me being on YouTube. You can watch me on there. I do things. Yeah. Next next video, Creature from the Black Lagoon retrospective. That's going to be a blast. That's I love the shape of water as well. I do talk about that in there. I knew it. All right. Let's roll out of this, Lex. You got it. All right, everybody. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at the Comics Collective, or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou Comics. Where are you at, Matt, on the socials? Did you already say? Well, YouTube, you can look me up at Matt Draper. Mm-hmm. That's me. Beautiful. I'm also on Twitter, but I'm trying to not be on Twitter. Oh, okay. Perfect. You heard it That's here good. first, folks. Twitter sucks. <gasps> <laughs> If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review. We'll read it off on the show. I'd also like to shout out Matt in your review said we have scatological digressions and we had one in the first four minutes of this. So mm, that's what it's all about. Listen, we stayed true to form. <laughs> and finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we'll that's see great. y'all next week. See you. Continuation of our long series with Evan. Yeah, so we'll be finishing up Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. So be here for the finale of that run. Thanks, everybody. There goes goes the good stuff. Bye. Bye. Bye.